What we're talking about today is the journey. We're all on a journey. We're going on a trip, right? In our favorite rocket ship. Anybody? If you have toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. So we are all on a journey. But here's the thing about a journey. There can be multiple narratives to any journey, right? Have you, I was going to use the example of like, you know, when you're dealing with kids and conflict, but let's be real with adults too. <laughs> and you're like, okay, tell me what happened. And you hear from one person and it's one story. And then you hear from another and it's a completely different story. You kind of back up and you're like, huh? Weren't you in the same room at the same time? But why? Because there's multiple narratives to any story. And the same is true in our lives. There can be multiple narratives along the way. And we've got choices along the way also, right? And decision fatigue is like a thing now. We've got so many choices that we're paralyzed with the decision, right? But sometimes I think we worry ourselves with choices that don't need to be on our list. That's not what we're talking about today, but just a little nugget, right? Let go of the stuff that you can't control and focus on the choices that God is telling you to focus on. So one of those choices is the narrative we choose to see. We have a choice of which narrative we're going to align to. And that decision is going to influence so, so, so much. It's going to change how we react, how we respond. It's going to change the decisions we make. It's influencing so much around us. So it's a big deal. And that choice at this time of the year is so important because we're in a season of reflecting. It just naturally, how many of you are looking back at 2022? How did it go? Right? You're asking those questions. How'd I do? What did I get off track? What happened this year? What didn't happen this year? You're looking forward into 2023. What's next year going to hold? What's my word for the year? God, where are we going? And capital A Achiever over here is like, what goals are we going to have for next year? And I'm after it already. But here's the thing. Depending on the narrative I'm listening to, it's going to influence how I look back. Because at any one time, there are two active narratives to pay attention to. And it's God's narrative and the enemy's narrative. Because at any one time, both narratives are at play at the same time, trying to communicate something different. Trying to tell you two different stories to what's happening over last year, in your right now, over your tomorrow. And we get to choose which one we're going to align to. And it's going to change everything. So if I'm looking back on last year through the enemy's narrative, I've probably used this statement. I can't wait for 2022 to be over. Has anyone said that recently? I think I've caught myself a couple times. <laughs> I can't wait for this year to be over. Just get me into next year. Or the half positive version of the same statement. Can next year just start? It's like the, the little positive spin on the same thing. Probably because you're looking back through the enemy's lens. You're looking back through his narrative that says, you failed, you lost, you didn't win, you're terrible, you don't matter, 
What impact did you make? Look at all those mistakes that happened. If that's the lens and you're looking back, yeah, you'd be like, let's move on. Let's get to what's next because that wasn't great. But if you're seeing through the lens of God, even in the challenging, even in the difficult, even in the worst moments, he's at work. He's moving. He's doing something beautiful. So we can, I've had some hard moments this year and I'm looking back and I'm like, almost, thank you Jesus for grace. I'm almost to a place where I'm super, super thankful. I'm, I'm on my way. Some of them I'm there. I'm like, oh, thank you for that. That was great. A little of them were still a little recent, still a little raw, still working through that. But can we get there today? That's what we're going to talk about, that we've got choices. In the Jesus story at Christmas, there were choices along the way of which narrative are you going to align to? We're going to look at four of those choices in the life of Joseph on their way to Bethlehem to have this little baby who's going to save the world. Pretty cool. Are you guys ready? Okay. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. We're going to talk about Joseph's story. We've talked about Mary. We talked about Elizabeth. We got to talk about this guy, Joseph. It says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's one narrative. My betrothed cheated on me. Now she's pregnant and I got to get rid of her. And in that time period, this would have been really, really dangerous for Mary. She would have been at risk of death, which is why in some translations it says because of his righteousness, because he was such a good guy, he was going to put her away quietly. He was going to divorce her because they are legally bound to each other. It's not like our engagement today where You break it off and your heart's broken, but there's no like legal attachment. They were legally married. So it was an actual divorce and it put her at severe risk. One narrative. Got to put her away. Let's see what happens next. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Narrative 2. The other narrative, the God story. This is the promised savior of the world, Joseph. You've got a call on your life, engage with it. But he had a choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to put her away? Or am I going to step in and align to God's narrative over this crazy situation that's happening? Let's see what he did. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, 
he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Good job, sir. Right? You had to celebrate that obedience. That was a big deal. He did the right thing. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Two narratives and a big choice. But here's what's happening when we align to God's narrative. It's going to awaken a next step within us. It's going to stir what's to come. Because God's not like, oh, just take the step and then hang out there for a while. He's always drawing us forward. And he's like, all right, if you're saying yes, if you're going to align to this, if you're going to be in perfect order with my plans, that's going to come with something. That's going to come with some action. So sometimes when we align, we're going to talk about four narrative choices, but it comes with four calls on us as we're aligning. And maybe today you're listening to this, and one of these is really going to highlight of I need to align. I need to click in. And that means I need to step forward with this action. So Joseph's action at this point was to engage as a protector of a promise. He stepped up and said, all right, I'm going to protect this little baby. I'm going to protect her, and I'm going to help see this come forward. Guys, today you might need to align to the narrative of God, and it might be protecting this word that God has given you. Because your alignment means I'm going to hold these promises of God really close. You know those things that he's spoken to you and you're like, ooh, this is too crazy and big for me to accomplish. And if I'm going to listen to the enemy's, enemy's narrative over this, I'm not going to protect it. I'm just going to set it down and walk away because that's scary. But if we're going to engage and we're going to align to what God is saying, we're going to grab hold of those promises and we're going to pull them in really close. Is this making sense? Yes. All right, so let's see what happens next. Story continues. This is what we covered the last two weeks. So Mary Joseph settle. All right, this is happening. I think we know it. She goes to Elizabeth, and then she knew, knew it, right? Like, oh, this just got real. Hangs out with Elizabeth for three months and then goes back to Joseph. Probably at this point, if she's about three months, she's starting to show. Right? So if Joseph realized that this was real, at this point, things just got real, real. Because that's a baby and I didn't do that. Right? Things just got real for Joseph. And he's continuing to walk this journey. So are you ready for what happens next? We got to pop over to Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their hometown to register. So we got to pause here for a second and talk about this guy. Caesar Augustus, he gets one line in scripture, but this is a crazy narrative option. Can we talk about him for a quick sec? So Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. We don't have time to, un he's another really rad character, but we don't have time to talk about him except for that because he was so well-known, they called him a god, like little G-god. 
because in the world they admired him and revered him as a god. So adopted Caesar Augustus decides, well, then if my dad is God, you should call me son of God. So he decides that people can call him son of God. It gets better. His birth name was Octavius, which means eight. I like the number eight because I was born on eight, eight, but apparently he didn't think that was significant enough. So he decides to change his name to Augustus. Do you know what this name means? Venerable. You know what venerable means? Honorable, highly respected, chosen one. Are you seeing this? So the son of God, who is the highly respected, air quotes everywhere, chosen one, he is also the first Roman emperor. So he's a brand new type of ruler in his time. So he's a whole new type of ruler. He was also known for taking censuses, which is what we're talking about in these scriptures. And a census in those times was a counting of the people, but for the purpose of taxing. So they're counting everybody so they knew how much money they could get in. Because he needed a lot of money, because during his rule, he was constantly expanding Rome through war. So he was popping into all these different territories and conquering them. That's expensive. War is expensive. So he constantly took censuses to count all the people in the new lands so he could get more money so he could go get another land. Is this making sense? During this time, because Rome wasn't actually being conquered, it became known as the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. So Caesar Augustus, the son of God, chosen one, highly respected, first type of ruler of his kind, ushered in peace. But it wasn't super peaceful because they were at war all the time. War isn't peaceful. Sure, you're not being conquered in your homeland, but your husbands are gone, your sons are gone, there's death, there's loss, there's pressure on the family. It's not peaceful. One more of this. He was known as a political savior because of his great leadership over Rome. Are you seeing this narrative? The son of God, highly respected chosen one, who's bringing in peace and is known as a savior, is on the scene. When the actual son of God, prince of peace, first ruler of his kind, is stepping onto the scene of earth. The world's being given a choice, guys. Which narrative are you going to see? Which narrative are you going to align to? How much in our world are there earthly things that we can put our hope in? That we can align to? Ourselves, our rulers, people, things that we think we're putting all of our hope and trust and faith in. But when we step back, that's the enemy's narrative. He wants us to put our faith in imperfect worldly things because it's gonna disappoint us and then downward spiral we go. But God's narrative over our life is I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna do what we just did this morning and sing Jesus. Fix my eyes on him and look to him and be drawn into his presence. Because that's where real life comes from. 
the world was given a narrative option. Which narrative are you going to align to? Are you guys getting this? Because here's what happens when you align to God's narrative. You disengage with the counterfeit. Caesar Augustus was the counterfeit savior. And then you engage with the true and the authentic. So sometimes when we're stepping and we're realigning with God, it means we've got to put some stuff down. We've got to step back. We've got to step away from the things that we were putting our hope in. And we've got to adjust and we've got to grab hold of the eternal promises of a savior. Is this making sense? So fun. So, so far, Joseph was given a narrative. The world's being given an option for a narrative. Let's read, uh, continue in verse four in chapter two of Luke. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. When he went there, sorry, verse five, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Guys, this journey, they just so casually are like, yeah, they just popped over to Bethlehem for the weekend. Except not. This journey depending on the path they would have had to take, would have been 70 to 90 miles. That's like walking from right here in San Marcos to downtown LA. On foot, potentially on the back of a donkey, while you're really, really, really pregnant. Anybody want to do that? I haven't personally been pregnant, but I've watched all y'all walk around pregnant. I don't know what that journey would have looked like at the later term of your pregnancy, because what Joseph and Mary would have done is wait towards the end of her pregnancy because prenatal care, not exactly a thing in this time period. So pregnancy was really dangerous. People constantly lost babies and and personally passed away in that time period. So they would have waited until probably well into her third trimester to make this journey, making it a little rough, right? And it wouldn't have been a safe journey. This is like the wilderness. It's not like, oh, yeah, we walked on this paved highway to get there. They would have been in the wilderness where, like, lions and tigers and bears, oh, my, right? Like, the wilderness, the wild animals, the crazy people that are trying to steal your stuff. Lots of pit stops, pregnant Mary, having to pull over. This probably would have taken them about a week, potentially more, to travel that distance. This wasn't just a casual trip over to Bethlehem to get counted. There's an option of a narrative here. That this greedy leader, Caesar Augustus, is making me travel all the way to my husband's hometown, Bethlehem, so we can get counted, so he can get money, so he can go to war. That's one narrative at this point in the story. Or... Is it that all these players were participating in an ancient prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? Micah chapter 2, sorry, chapter 5, verse 2, says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over 
Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. Which narrative are you going to believe? It doesn't tell us what that 90 miles looked like for Mary and Joseph. Was it full of grumbling of like, oh, this guy, Caesar Augustus? Or was it, man, these promises are buried within me, and I know that the Savior has to be born in Bethlehem. Here we go. I think sometimes we have things in our life that feel like big disruptions, like big inconveniences, but we have a choice to see God in the midst of it. Now, what I'm not saying is is that we ignore every difficulty and challenge we ever face and pretend like everything's fine and we robot for Jesus and nothing affects me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that I know even in the most difficult and challenging of times, God is so close God is so active. God is so present in every moment of our lives. And if we're going to choose to align to his narrative, it's going to press me to see him in every circumstance. To take a moment and go, okay, this is really, really, really rough, but God, you're in it. What are you saying? What are you doing? Right? If Jesus is our center, This has to happen. It means I can't look back on 2022 and go, just be done already. Because God was active. No matter how difficult the year has been. And as we move forward, he is active. And we can choose along every step of the way to see the disruption and the inconvenience or to see potential of what he wants to do. Right? From the little tiny things of they're doing construction and I've got a detour to the big things of loss and heartbreak. Are we going to see him in the midst of it all? We have a choice. Which narrative are we going to align to? But if we're leaning into the God narrative, we have to see him in the challenge. We've got to leave room for him. That's our piece of it. All right, we've got one more. We've talked about Joseph, Caesar Augustus versus Jesus. We've talked about the journey. Jeff's grabbing tissues. (laughs) We're going to pause and talk about Bethlehem. A little town of Bethlehem. It was a little town. Even Micah chapter 5 says, though you are small along the clans of Judah. This tiny little town would have been anywhere between three and 600 people. That's a little group. This tiny little town. This town is so small that when when the towns of Judah were mentioned in Joshua, Bethlehem wasn't even on the map. They didn't even put it in the list because it was so small and so insignificant. A little town of Bethlehem, not even worth mentioning. That's one narrative over that town. The other narrative is that is the promised birthplace 
of the Savior of the world that is going to be talked about for centuries to come, that is going to be one of the most traveled to places in the world because Jesus was born there. Which narrative over Bethlehem are we going to align to? The place of insignificance not even worth mentioning or this place that has been prophesied to be the place, the hometown of our Savior. Even better, do you know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Bethlehem is house of bread. Do you know that one of Jesus' names is the bread of life? So out of the house of bread came the bread of life that is the nourishment to the world. Isn't isn't God so cool? It's like there's two options here. Do you see insignificant, unmentionable, little Bethlehem? Or do you see the house of bread where the bread of life is going to come from and speak life and bring freedom to the entire world? How often in our lives do we see insignificance? in ourselves, in what we're doing. Oh, little old me. Oh, little person named Haley. I'm trying to put it in the song, but no one wants to hear me sing. (laughs) How often do we look at our lives? Do we look at our past year, 2022, and go, well, that was just an insignificant year. I just skirted by. Sailed through. Didn't really do much. That's one narrative. Do you know what the other narrative is? You're a chosen child of God. You have purpose and destiny and meaning. In you is the presence of a living king, which means you have influence and and destiny. You're created to move in the earth and bring him glory. Which narrative are you going to align to? Insignificance or great significance and purpose? There are so many options along the way. But the narrative we choose to align to is going to change everything. Because the enemy's narrative, where is that going to put me? In a place of hopelessness of insignificance. But God's narrative is going to transform that into kingdom impact in a second. We're celebrating today the jacket drive again, again. $30, put a jacket on a kid. There were donations of all different sizes. Each of them was so significant to participate in blessing our community Literally tears in the eyes of staff members as I walked in with box after box after box of jackets for these kids. Parents who arrive and pick up these jackets and give them to their kids as a Christmas present because they have nothing else to give them. We don't put our name on these because it's not about us. We know the kingdom impact that's coming. The gift card to the grocery store that's going to put a Christmas meal on the table significance or do I see oh my measly little five dollars that I contributed we have a choice of narrative and it's so important for us to step in and choose to align 
to his narrative. Are you guys feeling the importance of this? And it's going to draw something out of us. So what I want to do right now is just take some time to sit and reflect with him. To sit and ask this question. God, am I aligned to your narrative over my life? We're going to ask it together, but I want to prepare our hearts here for a second. Because this is a big question to ask. You may not hear the full significance of this. I want to encourage you to take this question home this week and ask. Because the first step of this is I have to choose to align to his narrative every day. To choose to engage with what he's speaking and saying. To set down the counterfeit. To set down the powerless. To set down the insignificance and engage with him. So let's ask this question. I love asking questions together out loud because it's not as scary. And breaking that's like, we got to get out of our minds sometimes. Stop talking to God just in your head. That's why I love driving in my car because you can talk out loud and not feel as crazy or get a dog and just pretend like you're talking to your dog. It works for me. So let's ask this. Are you guys ready to ask this question? Are your hearts ready? All right, let's ask, Father God, am I aligned to your narrative over my life? Take a second and listen. And this might be a big, keep listening to what he's highlighting. Maybe he's showing you a picture of an area of your life. And it might not be like the big, just in general. My whole life is misaligned. There might be a specific area that needs an adjustment. That needs a realignment. So as you're listening, if one of those areas was highlighted in your life that needs a realignment, just start talking to him of like, God, I want to align to your narrative over my life. I want to hear your truth. I want to hear your words. I want to set down the rest. Just start talking to your papa and telling him, God, I want your truths in my life. I want to see what you're doing in the midst of it. Just take a second.
and in this realignment to what he's saying over your life, it's gonna stir action. It's gonna stir change. We talked about before. It could be protecting a promise. It could be disengaging with the counterfeit, grabbing hold of the authentic. It could be seeing him in the midst of all circumstances, including challenges. Or it could be this exchange of insignificance for significance. But the one I feel like he's highlighting for us right now is to see him in the challenge. To see him in the hard moments. To find purpose in it. To know that he's going to work it for the good of those who are living for his glory because that's what happens when we align to him we get to live for his glory we get to live for his purposes and see transformation happen in the world that's what we get to do so right now I want you to ask maybe it's already highlighted what was one of your biggest challenges this year your biggest disappointments your, one of your greatest losses Ask him what it was. And now we're going to ask him together, Father God, what were you up to in this challenge? Hear what he's saying. I think for someone, he's saying that you weren't too weak, that he wanted to show you how strong you were, that he's shifting that narrative. for someone that he was teaching you about joy. Like pure Jesus, consistent, powerful joy that is actually being turned into a weapon of warfare for you in this next year. hearing his narrative over this challenge just continue to align your heart and say God I agree with these truths I agree with what you're doing I grab hold of the growth that you did in me Lord you didn't sin I want to set this straight he does not birth or give or do bad things there's no bad in him he's only the author of good 
but he's so good that he's going to step into the messy and do something beautiful. So God did not send loss. He did not send pain to you, but he's going to do something beautiful through it. And that's what this moment is, is a realigning to that. So God, right now as a family, we say yes to your narrative, to aligning to your truths over the most challenging points of our year. We step in with belief right now that you can make good of every moment that you're gonna refine us and grow us. I feel like for some of you, he was talking about the refining work that those challenges did. That he used those difficult moments to prepare you for, for the mission he has for you next year. Because God's got big plans for you, family. big plans. Father, I thank you for awakening hope and significance in us right now. Great hope and significance. I speak right now to any place that pain and fear and depression and anxiety have been winning and be crushed right now under the weight of his goodness. Do you feel his goodness in the room right now? Do you feel his love for you? His embrace? We behold you right now, Father, and the fullness of what we have. And we choose right now as a family to align with everything that we have to what you're doing, to your narrative over last year, over today, and over everything that's coming. We stand in celebration to see your hand in our life. I speak a, a fuse of expectation to light us up to stir up joy and hope in us. Every ounce of dread is like fleeing out of this room. I can feel it. It's leaving. Dread and weariness is done. There's no just moving on anymore because we know that the actual Prince of Peace is at work is doing something beautiful. The actual savior is present in everything that we're doing. We say yes to it right now. And we honor you right now, Jesus. We thank you for the journey that you give us a choice. You allow us to participate and partner with you and we say yes to that, to bring you glory, to bring you honor every day of our lives. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen.